0: Morning in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, we do thank you. We thank you for your holy presence this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to us today through the gifts of the Spirit, through tongues and interpretation and prophecy. And we thank you for those gifts of utterance today that you have given to your church. And Lord, for ministering to us today. Thank you, Father. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. <clears throat> Praise God. Open your Bibles this morning um, to the Gospel of Mark, again, chapter 10, Mark chapter 10. <clears throat> Before we preach today, I do want to mention, keep uh, be praying for Vicki and Joe Donovan. She called this morning. They've been sick since about Wednesday, so pray for them for healing, okay, and mention them. Uh, I, want, I wanted to mention them this morning. And I know there's others that are battling different sicknesses and things that uh, are still going around. I guess we're still in wintertime in the crazy weather that it's, you know, it's 6 degrees one day and 60 the next or in a day or two. It's crazy. But pray for all those, okay, that are, that are under the weather and got different bugs and things that are going around. Pray for their healing today. Amen. Okay, I'm gonna. Uh, what did I tell you? Mark ten. Mark ten. That's where we're at. We're we're in the Gospel of Mark. Have been for some time. We took a little break from that over the uh, Christmas, uh, the month of December for Christmas, the month of January for New Year's, and we're back. Uh, we're back in that. And and some time ago, some months ago, as we began, the Lord instructed me and dealt with me about. Uh, doing some teaching uh, on the life of Jesus from the Gospel of Mark. So that's where we're at. And so if you have your Bible, I would invite you to open to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. And I'm going to begin reading with verse number 17 this morning. We're reading a very familiar passage of Scripture. You all know about this young man. You've probably heard him preached about before. Um, You're familiar with him, but we want to share. I want to do a little teaching from this uh, passage this morning, this incident in the life of Jesus, and see if we can glean some things from it today. Mark chapter 10. How many believe the Word of God is relevant for us today in 2020? Amen. It's not out of date at all. Amen. Praise God. It's for us today. Mark chapter 10 verse 17, and when he, when Jesus was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, good master, what shall I do? And in Matthew's account, Matthew says it this way that he said, what good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, and that is God. I just want to say right there that Jesus was not saying to this young man that, Jesus, that he himself, Jesus, was not good. What Jesus was telling him was, I'm God. He was looking. This young ruler here, this rich young ruler was looking to Jesus as a good man and a good teacher. But Jesus was trying to get across to him, you're looking at me in the wrong way. I'm not just good, I am God. And there's none good but God. That's right. Verse 19, thou knowest the commandments. He's asked, what shall I do? What can I do? What good things can I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, thou, Jesus said, thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, Do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor your father and mother. And he, he, the man, answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. I, I love that right there. He loved him and he said to him, Notice these words of the master. One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come and take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at the saying, and went away grieved. I was reading that this morning, and the Lord just quickened to me, and I wrote this in the margin of my Bible. Jesus' preaching made some sad and made some mad, but it made others glad. So I hope today to make you glad, and instead of sad or mad, come on, amen. And he was sad at that saying, and he went away grieved, for he had great. Possessions. Father, bless your word today as we minister the word of God to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you for a little bit this morning on there's something missing. There's something missing. You know, often people encounter Jesus, and we read about it in the scripture so many times that people have various encounters with the Lord Jesus Christ. We read in the Gospels of different ones that came to where Jesus was and uh, Jesus ministered to them and their encounter um, completely changed their life for the good. They would come and have a meeting with Jesus and an encounter with Jesus and uh, would walk away from there totally changed. But then on the other hand, we also read in the Gospels of people who have Came in contact with Jesus and had an encounter with the Lord Jesus, but turn away and walk away from that encounter without any change whatsoever in their life. Have you, you know what I'm talking about? And so we see that same thing in the world today that some people have an encounter with Jesus that totally changes them, and then other people, it seems like, you know what, you think they've had just, they've really been touched by the Lord and they've really touched the Lord, but it seems that there's no change in their life whatsoever. And in this this narrative and in this passage, we see a young man who had an encounter with Jesus, who came to where the Lord was, who was encouraged about seeing Jesus, but he yet walked away from this meeting with the Lord and walked away from this encounter with the Lord totally unchanged in any way, not changed in any way, totally unaffected or unchanged. Here, this young man walked away. I kind of liken it to this, and I I thought of this the other day. This rich young ruler has this encounter with the Lord, and he kind of walks away from this meeting with the Lord Jesus Christ, kind of like a baseball player that had struck out to end the game. I mean, he had the opportunity to hit the walk-off home run. He had the opportunity to hit the walk-off double or single or whatever to, to win the game, you know, to, to put his team on top or to put himself uh, on top. But yet he struck out to end the game and his, with his head down in defeat, he walked away not accomplishing what he should have accomplished and what should have been accomplished in his life. This rich young ruler that it's that that we read about here had a whole lot going for him. He he had much um, that positive things that could be said about him. He desired spiritual things. The scriptures very plain that he wanted eternal life. But yet, even though he desired these things, and we'll talk about that here in a minute, and he, he wanted these things, yet he walked away from that encounter with Christ empty and lost and unchanged. He literally, he literally blew it. He struck out when he should and could have hit a home run. And do you know what, ladies and gentlemen, there are many today that make the very same mistake that this young man in this text made on that day. They have religion and we can see that this guy, I mean, if you read this text, you can see this was a very religious man but yet in all the good things that, that he said about himself and the good that he felt about himself, Jesus in the final analysis said about him, he said, you have one thing lacking. There's something that is missing. How many knows today that you can have a lot of good things, but there, there, if that one thing, if that one ingredient, if that one most important thing is missing and lacking in your life, that all of the other good means nothing. And let me tell you something. That one thing, that one thing is to know Jesus Christ in a personal way as your Lord and Savior and be born again. Amen. That was the thing that was lacking and was missing in this young man's life. He was going through the motions, and there's a lot of people that do that today, that go through the motions. He seemed to have it all together, but he had never been. He he just lacked that one thing of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, when you read this story and you look at this text, we see some good things about this boy. And uh, the first thing that we noticed about him was that he did have the right desire. He did have the right desire. This young man came to Jesus, and uh, he asked a question. And he had the right question, and he came to the right person, and he gets the right answer, but yet he does the wrong thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? He was, the Bible says, if you read that text and we read it this morning, if you'll notice in verse number, excuse me, in verse number 17, it shows the enthusiasm and the eagerness of this young man because when Jesus came out into the way or out into the street and everybody was coming around where Jesus was, The Bible says that this young man came running to Jesus. So this shows me that he did have a desire to get to the Lord. It shows that he desired the things of God. There was something about him that he was eager to receive something from Jesus. And uh, there was an enthusiasm about him for spiritual things. And I'm telling you what, that can be said to his credit. I I, I think that's a good thing. Jesus looked at him and loved him because Jesus could see in his life that he had a desire for spiritual things. He was running to Jesus. He was excited about getting to Jesus and asking Jesus a question and receiving from Jesus what he had need of in his life. I wish that we could get that kind of excitement and enthusiasm in Abundant Life Family Church in every one of our hearts and in our lives. Amen? I think that's one thing probably that's lacking in many churches today is that excitement about the things of God. That enthusiasm about the things of God. Getting up on Sunday morning and saying, Praise God, this is the Lord's day. I get to go to the house of the Lord today. Amen. That ought to be, yeah, come on, that ought to be the desire of each one of us. I'd rather have that enthusiasm and see a church full of people that are excited and enthusiastic about the Lord than those that would just sit there with their arms folded saying, okay, when's this thing going to get over with? I'm ready to get out of here. Or looking at their watch every five seconds and say, man, I tell you what, he's going overtime today. We, we want to hurry up and get out of here. We need... Some enthusiasm today and this guy had that going for him he came running to Jesus he was excited about spiritual things let me tell you something ladies and gentlemen I I don't know what excites you I don't know what, what turns you on or gets you worked up but I can tell you one thing there's not too many things in this world that excite me but there's one thing that'll get me running there's one thing that'll stir me up there's one thing that I get excited about and that is I'm excited excited about the Lord Jesus Christ and about being saved and about being a child of Almighty God. Come on, amen? That should thrill and excite your soul. Hallelujah. More than a ball game or a Super Bowl or anything else. Jesus should excite us. So this young man had that going for him. He was an eager young man. He was an enthusiastic young man. And not only that, but he he appeared to be a humble young man. Because the Bible said that when he came to where the Lord was, that he came and kneeled before him. Here was a young man that had everything. He had riches. He had rank. He had religion. Uh, I mean, he he had prominence in the community. He had anything that anybody could want. But yet he came and he knelt before the Lord. He came seeking some spiritual help from the Lord and knelt before him. So this shows us here that there was an element of humility. Even though he was wealthy and rich, there was an element of humility that he would come and he would kneel before the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know what one of the main problems is in America today? And not only in America and in the world, but also even in the lives of some Christians Pride is one of the biggest problems that we have. It's that it's that I in the middle. You, you spell that word P R I D E and right in the middle, right in the middle of pride is that big I. It was the pride that, that lifted up the heart of Lucifer, wasn't it? That that you know he was an anointed cherub of God. He led the worship in heaven. He was he was a, a ruler under, under God, under the Lord Jesus Christ. But yet the Bible said, because of Lucifer. Lucifer's extreme beauty that he was lifted up with pride and exalted himself and he said, I will. You know, when you read over in Isaiah chapter 14 and Ezekiel chapter 28 about Lucifer's rebellion against God, you read where he said, I forget, I forget now, I haven't went and counted it in a while, but over and over again, Lucifer said, I will ascend above the clouds. I will ascend above the stars. I will be like the most high God. In other words, he began to think about himself as being somebody special, somebody important. He was thinking, well, God does okay job of ruling this universe, but I could do it better. I'm going to overthrow the throne of God. It was that sin of pride that was the sin that caused the fall of Lucifer. And if there's one area in your life, in my life, that we must always guard against, it's that big eye of pride. I don't want to... I have no place to exalt myself because without Jesus Christ, you are nothing, I am nothing. None of us have anything to brag about. We need to kneel before him and acknowledge that he alone is King of kings and Lord of lords. Oh, amen hallelujah the the sin of this nation today is that this country has become uh, the, the people in it have become so egotistical and and so uh, so vaunting themselves to think that we are too good do you know that that the majority of Americans strut their stuff today and say well we're too good for God to judge America there's too much good happening for God to judge America God you know God God we're, we're we're something special and I tell you what God has blessed this nation and God has been good to this nation and everything good that we see in this nation is from the hand of God but I tell you what it's time that we recognize where our blessing comes from that if it wasn't for the hand of God and the blessing of God we would be nothing amen he was a humble young man he was an excited young man but he was also, we see here, a spiritually minded young man. Because the Bible says that when he came to Jesus, what was on his mind? What was on this young man's mind? Are y'all with me? He said, he had, when he came to Jesus, what was his question about? He was inquiring of the Lord about eternal life he was inquiring of jesus about spiritual things he wasn't coming oh hallelujah i I, am about to get excited he wasn't coming and asking the lord for more wealth he wasn't coming and even asking the lord for health or for position, or for fame, or for recognition. He already had all of that. I mean, every, everything points to the fact that he was, a, he was a young man, he was in good health, he was rich, he had position, he had all of those things. But even though, now listen to me, even though he was well off, even though he was wealthy, even though he was prominent, the Bible says he was a rich, young ruler. Uh, Josephus said probably indicates that he was a member of the Sanhedrin so he was very prominent in society and he had everything going for him and everything was working out in his life but he came to the Lord asking about something that that was lacking in his life. There was something that was gnawing at him. There was something that was bothering him. There was something that was going on on the inside of him. I believe it was the Holy spirit that was dealing with him and was tugging on him and was speaking unto him and was telling him you need to find out you've got everything in this world you've got everything in this life but there's something that is lacking you need eternal life come on somebody Oh, let me get this over to you this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank God for the blessings of God, the physical blessings and the material blessings and the financial blessings. I'm glad that God blesses us with finances and we can pay our bills. And we, as I said earlier, we have a good house to live in and we got all clothes on our back. And I thank God for these things. But I'll tell you what, there's something that's more important There's something that's more important than a paycheck. There's something that's more important than a bank account. There's something that's more important than than nice cars, and thank God for that, or nice homes. The most important thing in your life today is not what you possess materially, but the most important thing in your life is do you have eternal life, everlasting life? Do you have the life of Jesus? Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Because see, every one of us, all of us are going to live eternally. Somewhere. uh, Every one of us, and I've said this before, but a, a, a million years, a trillion years, a zillion years, a quadrillion years, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I can't count farther than that. I think a Google. A Google is a big number, isn't it? Amen. But 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 but. However, what I'm saying is, for eternity, eternally, you and I will live on. Death. See, the the death of this body, and all of us are going. Should the Lord tarry, we're all going to die physically. All of us are. But but the death of the body does not end the existence of the human. Individual, Amen. When, when we when we lay that body to rest, and we have that funeral service, and we put that body in the ground, it's just the body that has died it's just the body that sleeps but that soul and that spirit lives on eternally and so you're going to live somewhere uh, forever and forever and so you and i we all need to make sure this see listen this has got to be the priority of our life today is to to know where we're going to spend that eternity to know where we're going to live on eternally amen because there's only two choices. There's only two places that the Bible teaches. There's a place called heaven where Jesus is, where God is, where there's streets of gold and walls of jasper and gates of pearl. Hallelujah! Where, where where the lamb is the light and there's no more sickness and there's nothing but paradise and peace and blessing forever. But then the only other place is a place called hell. That's a place of eternal torment. That's a place where the worm does not die. The soul never dies The fire is never quenched. So we need, listen, that's why every service when we come together, every Sunday when I stand before you to preach, I want to make sure I seek God. I want to know, Lord, give me what you want me to say to your people. Oh, there's times that I preach things that that I go home and I sit before the Lord and say, Lord, why? Did it have to seem to be so hard today? But I'm telling you, we're talking, we're dealing with eternity we're dealing with souls we're dealing with eternal life I want to make sure I want to make heaven I want you to make heaven I want us all to have eternity on our mind today he was very spiritual minded and he came to the Lord asking about eternal life which was His greatest need. And that's what we need to be asking as well. As the Philippian jailer did, you know, in Acts 16, Lord, what must I do to be saved? I pray that everybody here in this congregation this morning is born again, is saved and has eternal life on the inside of you. You know what the Bible says eternal life is? It's knowing Jesus. It's having Christ in you. It's knowing Him as your Lord and your Savior. So that was the greatest need. He was, he was, he was thinking about eternity. He was heavenly minded. He knew this life wasn't all, and the Holy Spirit I know was dealing with him. You all, before you got saved, do you remember how the Holy Ghost... Can you remember the Holy Spirit dealing with your heart about your spiritual condition? Did you ever have thoughts before you got saved? Maybe you had known the Lord and had went back on the Lord and was out in the world and you knew you wasn't living right. Did you ever have thoughts come to you that, that, would, that, that would come into your mind and say, What if you died tonight? Where would you go? You know who that was? That was the Holy Spirit that was showing up in your life, letting you know. And I've been down that road and I'd go to bed and lay my head on the pillow at night with that thought, what if you don't wake up in the morning? Where will you be? And I knew where I'd be. I knew that I was away from the Lord. But thank God the Holy Ghost didn't give up on me. Thank God that He put put the eternity on my mind. He made me aware that I was gonna live forever. He made me aware that I needed Needed Jesus. This man was spiritually minded. Oh God we need to pray that the Holy Ghost would get a hold of our sons and our daughters and our kids and our grandkids and make them aware that eternity is ahead of us and before us. That we need Jesus in our life. He was spiritually minded and drawn by the Holy Spirit and he was also outwardly a good, a good, morally clean and upright man. Getting a couple of amens. The Bible says that he had kept the commandments. Jesus mentioned to him five of the commandments. And Jesus, when he asked Jesus... What good thing can I do to inherit eternal life? Let me say this. There isn't no good thing that you can do to inherit eternal life. And I'll get to that later. Amen, if I have time. <laughs> but, but, but He, Jesus said, keep the commandments. He said, you know the commandments. Jesus said, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And so Jesus gives him the part of the Decalogue, the part of the Ten Commandments that dealt with his relationship to mankind. Do you know that the commandments are divided like that? There is the part of the commandments that deals with your relationship toward God, and that's your that's your vertical relationship and then there's the part of the commandments that deal with your relationship toward your fellow man which is the horizontal part of the commandments and so Jesus mentions these commandments these commandments, you know there's the two greatest commandments are the two greatest commandments are Jesus said the greatest commandment is this that you will what Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul. In other words, with everything that's in you, you will love God more than anything else in this world. And then what's the second greatest commandment? The second one is that you will love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, love God first, love your fellow man as you love yourself. And Jesus was putting his finger on this young man who thought he was good who thought he was morally clean who thought he had kept the commandments who thought he was doing good and Jesus is just about to let him know you think you are keeping them but you have broken every single one of them there's none good no not one come on everybody's getting quiet on me As I said, Jesus, the preaching of the word makes some people mad and some people glad and some people sad. But outwardly, this young man was good. He was a good man. He hadn't sassed his parents. He'd not committed adultery. He hadn't killed anybody. He didn't steal anything. Obviously, all of the money that he had he had he had obtained it um, honestly through hard work so he thinks he's got it all I mean this 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 young man would be the individual that you would love to have as your next door neighbor he's a he's a good guy he's a good dude I'd like to have him as a neighbor. He'd be somebody that you would probably want to go in business with or have working for you or working with him because he was an honest man, he was a good man, he had done all these wonderful things. I mean, he has he he has lived a good life. He's got it all. He's rich, he's young, he's a leader, he's lived a good life. Gee, he's got sterling characteristics that 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 you know know he's living above reproach. And I'll tell you what, if this young man would walk the aisle in many of our churches today that they would probably make him the church treasurer they would probably make him a deacon put him on the deacon board or or make him a sunday school teacher or something because that's how sterling his character was he was kind of above reproach he was good morally how many know people like that I, i know people that say well i'm a good man i'm a good person you Yes, people say, Are you, you, you know, if you died today, would you go to heaven? Why, well, yeah, I believe I would. Well, well, if you died today and you stood before the Lord, why, what would, what would What would you say to the Lord if He asked you, why should I let you in my heaven? And most people will say, well, I've lived by the golden rule. I've kept the commandments. I've been a good person. I've done what's right, I've always treated my neighbor right. And so they'll, they'll immediately begin to list and stack up good deeds and good things that they have done. That, 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 and you know what? All of that means nothing. Are you listening to me? You cannot live a good enough life to merit heaven. Amen. You can't do enough good stuff or do enough good things to, to, to inherit eternal life. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell him. Even though he was outwardly morally clean, he was a fine young man But in the final analysis, he blew it. He struck out. He lacked one. Jesus said, he said, Lord, I've kept all these from my youth up. And Jesus said, there's something missing. There's something lacking. There's something you do not have yet. Because eternal life cannot be inherited. Eternal life cannot be earned. Eternal life cannot be bought. Eternal life cannot cannot be given in in that manner. There's no commandment you can keep to gain eternal life. Eternal life comes only through faith in Jesus Christ. It's by his mercy. It's through his grace. It's through his blood. It's not about what I do. It's about what Jesus has already done it's a done deal the cross, the blood has paid it all hallelujah there's nothing that we can do to earn it praise God somebody say amen something just came to mind if I can find it I made a note of it the Michael Bloomberg, the former mayor of New York, said this. He said that, that it's his work for more gun control along with anti-smoking and healthy eating campaigns that have won him God's favor and a sure spot behind the pearly gates. His exact words made in context discussing his smoking cessation and anti-obesity pushes, as well as his concerted crackdowns on private gun over ownership to the New York Times were this. Here was his exact quote. I am telling you if there is a God, when I get to heaven, I'm not stopping to be interviewed. I'm heading straight in. I have earned my place in heaven. It's not even close you know there's a lot of people with that that's that pride see that's that arrogance again that's that lie from the devil that I've done some good stuff in my life and so God owns, owns me a place in heaven he owes me eternal life help us Jesus to see today that it's not how good it's not how upstanding it's not how I've kept the commandments the only thing that matters is this that I understand that, it, that in myself I am not good I am a sinner, I am lost, I am undone, and I've got to have a Savior, and Jesus Christ is the only way to get me to heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the thing that is missing in so many people's lives today, and this young man blew it, and probably, probably is in hell today. Somebody said, how do you know that? Well, I don't know that for sure, but I believe that if he would have came back to Jesus and made things right with the Lord and understood, the Bible would have, would have talked about that. But it said that he was sad at the saying and went away, grieved. Let me tell you something. All of us have got to make the decision about Jesus Christ. And Jesus brought this young man to a decision as he brings all of us to a decision. We all have got to decide what we're going to do with Jesus. I preach. When I preach, I preach for a decision. When I preach, that's why I give altar calls because altar calls is decision time. It's the time that you and I take what, what the Word of God has, has the word that's been given to us, and we decide what we're going to do with the Word of God. And so Jesus reveals to this young man his sinful heart. Jesus says to him, I, I, "There's none good, no, not one, none good, but God." And even though he had kept all of his commandments, all of the commandments and, and boasted of that, Jesus then goes to show this young man the deceitfulness of his heart. And Jesus holds a mirror up to him and he shows him what's really on the inside of him. And Jeremiah said that the heart of man is is deceitful above all things. It's desperately wicked and no one can know it. And we think we're so good and so uh, righteous and so holy, but let me tell you something today, ladies and gentlemen, that the only thing, the only way that we have any righteousness at all is because it's been given to us by the Lord Jesus. It's been imputed to us. It's been been put to our account through our faith in what He he has done for us at Calvary and the Lord teaches us an important lesson here as he shows this young man that he's really not as good as he thought because he told him to go sell everything he said if you'll have life go sell all your possessions and give it to the poor he wasn't saying that by giving to the poor he could have eternal life but Jesus was putting his finger on the very thing that was wrong with this young man the very thing that he lacked because he really wasn't keeping the commandments because the second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself and he walked away sad because he loved his money. His money was his God. His possessions was his God and whatever is your God, whatever you're hanging on to is the thing you've got to put aside and lay down and say it don't matter. I want Jesus more than anything in my life. It's being willing to lay down everything for the Lord. And Jesus put his finger on a sore spot. And I have a feeling that I've done the same thing in my ministry. I've touched a few sore spots. Let me tell you something. I got, I got close. Let me tell you something. Theoretically, and, and, and here's what Jesus was kindly telling him, and then He's given him the opportunity. If you really keep it the you really love God, you really want eternal life. You're going to, have to, you're going to have to surrender it all to Jesus. Theoretically, there are three ways to get to heaven. Now listen to him. I know some of you are saying, oh, Brother Rick, you've always preached there was only one way to get to heaven. Well, there is, but listen to what I'm saying. Three ways to get to heaven. The first one is this. For you to die before you reach the age of accountability. Babies and little children that don't know right from wrong, if they die, they go to heaven. Is anybody with me? They don't have to be christened. They don't have to be baptized. They don't have to be confirmed. There's nothing about that anywhere in the entirety of the Word of God because little babies and little children under the age of accountability are covered by the grace of God and covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus talked about it in that 10th chapter there. He said, He said, uh, Permit the little children to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Those little kids, those little babies. Let me tell you something. We've got a little baby. We've got, well, she's, I believe she's grown up now in heaven. But we had a little baby in 1978 that, uh, that was nine months old that died. And uh, she's covered by... By the blood. She's covered by the grace of God. Amen. But I'm telling to you, yeah, listen. Somebody said, well, what's the age of accountability? Some say it's 12, 13, 11, 10. Nobody knows, but it's that age where that little one knows the difference between right and wrong. They know that they're a sinner and that they know that they need a Savior, and that's what we teach them back in children's church. We teach them about Jesus, and when you come to the place you know you're a sinner and you need a Savior, You need to make Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior. Well, most of us in this service this morning have already reached the age of accountability. Is that right? I'm looking around. I think the ones maybe that have not are in the back. Most of us have. The second way to get to heaven is to live an absolutely totally perfect life from the time you're born to the time you die and never sin one time, never break one commandment. You can't break one. You can't break one because the Bible says if you break one, you're guilty of all. Isn't that right? Right. Amen. You can't break one, but you got to live a perfect, perfect life and, 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 and never sin and never commit one sin or break one commandment that's the second way that you can get to heaven well there's strike two okay you're, you're, you're strike two you're standing there now at home plate and you got an 0 and two count and, and you're looking at another fastball is coming come on somebody you've missed those two is there anybody here this morning that can say, Pastor Rick, I have lived a totally perfect life. I have never sinned. I've never broke not even one commandment. I don't see any hands. But if you put your hand up, we will bring you to the altar, and we will pray for you. Amen. Because the Bible said there is none righteous, no, not one. Nobody has kept. There's only been one person that kept them all, the commandments, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ, the only perfect man. And thank God, he kept them, and he kept them for you. You, and He died on a cross to pay your sin debt. Thank you, Lord. Woo! Thank you, Lord. My Lord. So, strike one. You're over the age of accountability. Strike two. You've not lived a perfect life. But here's the pitch coming. The third way to get to heaven which is really the only way to get to heaven, and that is to accept Jesus Christ and what He did for you on the cross. Accept Him and make Him your Lord and your Savior and receive Him as Christ and Lord of your life and you know what when you do that and that's what listen that's what Jesus was trying to get this young man to do he was putting his finger on on the sore spot he was saying okay if you've kept those commandments go sell everything give to the poor and right there it hit him right there the young man proved no he wasn't perfect no he might have been a good moral person but there was something missing there was something lacking and listen to me ladies and gentlemen if you've never met Christ your Lord and Savior there's something missing in your life you may have been baptized you may have been confirmed you may be a good church member you may be an upstanding person in the community but there's still something missing you got to know jesus and be washed in the blood of the lamb of god oh hallelujah Well, that's pretty simple. I'll tell you what. We need some we need some preaching of the gospel today. Yes, sir. Amen. So much of nonsense being preached today. Let's get back to the Bible. Yes, sir. God. Jesus did not lower his standard. And that's what I love about Jesus. You know what most of the churches and preachers do today? This guy comes into their church. This guy's rich. He can pay off our church. We got to get him in at any cost. Oh, hallelujah. Ain't nobody saying amen to me. We got to get him in. We got to get him... Make him a member, but you know what? Jesus, you know James dealt with that. We'll we'll get with that humor in James. James said there's a guy comes in with goodly apparel and a fancy ring, yes. and you can tell he's high, high uppity in society. And you bring him up and set him on the front seat and say, Here, you sit here, you're special, you're our special guest. Yeah. But then this poor guy comes in that don't have much, and you set him in the back in the corner somewhere and say, Hey, we don't need we, we you just sit back yeah. there by yourself, you know? Amen. That's that's showing that's a sin. I said yep, that's a is. sin. It Hallelujah. Let, let that let that poor and that 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 one that don't have nothing. Bring them up to the front. Amen. Let them know Jesus loves them. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to shout amen. I'm talking to you about true Bible Christianity. Jesus didn't lower the standard for this man. Jesus didn't make exceptions for him. Jesus didn't say we're going we're gonna to make an exception because you're somebody in society. But Jesus let him know he had to come through the same gate that everybody else comes through. He had to come the same way. It's all only through the blood and through the cross. Amen. And that's what Jesus told him. He said, go sell all you have, then take up your cross and come and follow me. And we all know what the cross meant, don't we? we all know what the cross they knew what the cross meant when they mentioned cross because in that Roman Empire there was crosses on every intersection where where there were criminals hanging the cross meant crucifixion the cross meant death the cross meant when you picked up that cross listen to me when you picked up that cross and you went down the road carrying that cross that meant you were not coming back you were dead now there would be you would be no more and jesus is saying that to this man and jesus is saying that to you and me pick up that cross die out to the world die out to self die out to your own will die out to everything and make jesus the lord of your life and let his will be done in your life follow him follow him follow him oh hallelujah Worship team, come on, make your way back. Hallelujah. This young man lacked something. Jesus confronted the issue that He lacked in His life. Can I tell you something this morning, ladies and gentlemen? Whether you're saved, whether you're unsaved, whether you know Jesus or whether you don't know Jesus. Even you you and I who are saved, those who are saved, there's still areas in your life where there's something missing and something lacking. I think the Holy Spirit spoke to us along those lines this morning in the tongues and interpretation, in the words of prophecy, what was the exhortation the Lord was giving us this morning? The Holy Spirit knew what the message was going to be. I believe He was confirming it before it ever got preached. But the Holy Spirit was letting us know that we're not, we are not—we haven't all arrived yet there's still some areas in our life where there's something missing. There's still some areas in our life where there's something lacking. There's not one of us can stand up here today and say, hey, I've got it all together. I'm, I'm, I'm as close to God as I need to be. I've got as much of God as I need. I've got as much of the Holy Ghost as I need. I don't need anything else. Well, you know what? If that's the attitude that an individual has, then they're in that lukewarm condition like Laodicea when they're saying, you know, that church at Laodicea said we don't need anything we're rich and we're increased with goods and we got a big bank account and we've got all kinds of money and, and the church is full and everything's running over oh we've got it made we don't need anything and Jesus said you just think you don't need anything but he said when I look at your spiritual life you're miserable and you're poor and you're wretched and you're blind and you're naked you need to you need to anoint your eyes with some eye salve you need to repent of your losing. Oh, there's something missing in every one of us. There's something lacking in every one of us. God is calling us to an altar of consecration and dedication and saying, get in your life. I can give you what you need. I can feel what's missing. I can give you what's lacking in your life. Come to Jesus.